0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Martina, and I'm a sexaholic. I, as a, when I look back, I've been very, very lo- lonely and abandoned child. I come from an addictive, dysfunctional family, And I was suffering a lot. I didn't feel seen and beloved and taken care of. And um, since I was suffering so badly, I really didn't want my sister to suffer as much as I did. And I tried very hard to protect her and to save her. And I kept telling her everything's all right and everything's fine and everything's normal. And I be mothered her and took care of her a lot. She's three years younger. And I felt this is my task when I was a child. And also when I was a child, I was extremely sure that the idea, that God's idea of what's what's a family is very different than the family I was growing up in. I knew that God had an idea about a family and I knew that it was different. I had like these spiritual ideas as a child already. But at the same time, I was I was um, starting to have romantic fantasies. Like I can remember already in first grade, second grade, like six, seven years old, I had fantasies about getting married and raising my own kids and living in a better world and that there would be love and harmony and everything that I was missing would be there. And these um, these romantic fantasies led, led to, yeah, I, I escaped reality. I was not living in reality all the time. I was escaping many times and trying to be somewhere else. And this... This continued like when I became older, when I was like 10, 11 years old, I always felt I was in love with one of the boys in my classroom. But at the same time, I felt that I was different than anybody else. I felt like the others and me are not the same. I never felt part of it. I didn't feel that I belonged um, to everybody else. I always felt like kind of... Kind of a yeah, some sort of a stranger or maybe even alien, like being different. I always felt like I was different. And as it could, when I um when I was in fourth grade, my mother was would um, kick my dad out of the house to to become divorced from him. And I loved my dad a lot, but. Um, She needed to get rid of him because she started, after he left our place, she started to act out with different people who were sitting at my breakfast table. And this really confused and bothered me a lot. And I felt really, really horrible. And I started to fight against my mother. And the whole thing ended up getting sent to boarding school. I was sent to boarding school. And I did not want to go to boarding school. I really hated it there. Um, That was when I was about the age of 14 years old. And I think that was the moment when I lost my connection finally, or like when I really bumped into addiction, when I fell out of connection, when I got into... Yeah, I came into a lot of resentment against my mother. I was very, very resentful against my mother. And, and this was like kind of, um, I think this was like, this all led to what happened later. Like I left the boarding school when I was 18 year, years old and started to go to parties because that's what I wanted to do. because my it was my idea of freedom I thought I need to have freedom I want to have freedom and freedom meant going to parties acting out with strangers drinking drugging and that's what I did until I became 24 yep did have i did have, a, I did have a, a steady boyfriend but he said like we don't need to be faithful to each other and i abused this to cheat him all the time it was really horrible and i feel very very sorry for him today actually it hurts me a lot and I think about him today because i think he really did like me even though he also wasn't he was an addict too but he still really did like me um and then by the age of 24 years I became pregnant by a man I hardly knew and things became very very complicated and um, and I kind of yeah got I I kind of got worse and worse I lost my I lost my mental health I I suffered from depressions not in a sense of I wasn't in a good mood but in a sense of really medical depressions which needed to be treated in mental hospitals. I was in mental hospitals about average once a year. And my whole life was so complicated. I couldn't work because I was just too sick. And um, finally my son decided to live at his dad's place when he was 10 years old. So he moved from my place to Northern Germany, which is 800 kilometers away. So this was my, my, big, my biggest lesson in letting go in love. And he would come for holidays. He would come every holidays to see me, but he didn't live with me anymore. And my acting out became worse. I had affairs and I had different affairs parallel. Um, I, I've had a boyfriend, but the relationship was a nightmare I thought I, I could go to, Thou- to Southeast Asia to find myself, but actually I just found another affair. And it just, and being there, I realized that what's happening there was just exactly the same stuff stuff that, that what was happening when I was back home in Germany, like meeting the guy in the evening, having dinner, chatting a little bit and acting out, spending the night and in the morning, You'd say um, you'd say goodbye and spend the night the day for yourself, and then meet like two or three times a week in the evening. And it was just exactly the same thing that was going on with my with my boyfriend at home. And I felt like, well, this is not really what I think a love relationship would um, is supposed to be. And I yeah, I became worse. I became worse and worse, and I like a fears going on parallel, and it made me really sick. And in the, like the worst year was 2014, my, someone I knew, like, who was involved, who was involved with drugs, he was kind of, yeah, he was homeless. And I gave him the key for my place, and he moved into my place, even though I didn't know him, which was so crazy, Actually, I'm quite ashamed to share this here, but that's that's what happened actually. and this was the man who brought me brought me into the program because I felt like this is not working. And um, I, he was a, he was there for about six weeks and then I kicked him out again and I felt like I want to have a life back, but I, I didn't get a life. I didn't have a life. I became so depressed, I had to go to mental hospital again. And there I met someone who told me, Martina, you are obviously an addict, and I think that drugs are not your main problem. You've got to get rid of these men. Um, Otherwise, you won't have a life, someone told me, another person who was there. And so I finally came to SA in January 2015, and I I was very lucky to find another woman in my meeting. I was not the only woman in the meeting. To begin with, and I started to, I started to become, to become sober and I started to become extremely resentful in the beginning. I was so resentful. I had really, I had really a hard time and there was a lot of pain I had to go through and sadness I had to go through and I light a candle and I sit with my higher power And I tell my higher power, if these feelings of any kind come up, I'm willing to feel them, be with me and feel them. I'm willing to go through it, through the whole thing. And God God was with me all the time. And he led me through these hard feelings every time he was there. And every time I got, I was sitting there and sooner or later, I got relief because I didn't run away anymore and I didn't run away from reality anymore and I didn't run away from myself anymore. And I'd go out to nature and walk. That's what I did a lot. I was walking in nature a lot when I became sober to feeling, <clears throat> feeling related to God as I understand him. I always feel very connected to God in nature and that's still the way it is. If I don't if I have a hard time, I can always go out and talk to God. And that's what helps me so much. And I'm I'm extremely grateful that I may be sober for five years now. Like in the first one and a half years, I had like relapse after three months, after six months, after nine months, but now I'm sober and I'm very, very committed to stay sober because um because I don't need anyone anymore to feel good about, to feel good about myself. The thing was that I felt like I need someone to feel good about myself because I didn't like myself and because I didn't like reality and I didn't like my feelings and so they needed to be someone um I could um I could abuse as a drug actually. And that's not the case anymore. I, like myself and I know that God's hugging me and um, the longer I'm sober, the better I can feel how God is hugging me. And it is such a big gift to be an SA and it is such a big gift to be sober and to be able to feel my feelings and to live in reality as it is. And it is not always easy And it's not always fun. And my life is not a big party. And I don't have the idea anymore that it is supposed to be a big party, which I used to. I thought it must be, everything must be so awesome and so fantastic and so exciting. But actually, it's not. And actually, I'm very grateful that it is not. And just for today, I'm so grateful for all the connections I have to other women in S.A. and to friends here in my hometown I can meet for a coffee or for a walk and we can share and it's not and it's not about lust and it's not about man and I'm not waiting for the prince I'm not I'm not waiting for the prince anymore actually um, he doesn't need to come because I'm fine with myself here and now it's Fantastic. It's I don't have the idea that my life would be any better if the prince would come. Um, so I feel very, very gifted that I got rid of a lot of sick ideas. And I feel very, very gifted that I got rid of a lot of sick behaviors. And there are so many things I don't need to do anymore. And to summarize the whole thing is, I don't need to destroy myself anymore. I can be here and now being in love and peace with myself and with God. And my relationship to God is the most important relationship in my life besides the relationship to me. I make sure that I'm in peace with me, that I don't... Um, hit on my head and don't judge me in a negative way and stuff like that. If I realize I surrender that behavior and I can share with my sponsor anytime. I really do love my sponsor. She's such a wonderful person and I feel so gifted that I may work with her. And this is a really, really huge recovery improvement for me because when I came to the program, as a newcomer, I had an extremely hard time to trust other women because women were for me like very um, difficult because they triggered all the pain and all the suffering I had with my mother for a long time. and I felt like women will women will like my idea was women will destroy me and men will save me. And that led led to really sick behavior. And I don't think so anymore. I have a lot of support from women in SA. And I do have support from women who are here in my hometown, who like me, who call me, who ask me out for coffee or for a walk. And it is so wonderful to, to connect with them. But I don't need anybody to be my personal r- to be my personal solution because the program is my solution. S A is my solution. My relationship to my higher power is my solution. Um, going to meetings, reaching out. I do my um, I do my daily sobriety renewal every day, and it is very helpful for me to be aware. What was triggering within the last 24 hours? What's going on with me? Are there um, strong feelings I need to surrender, or is there anything going on that I um, need to keep an eye on because my disease is cunning, baffling, baffling, and powerful, and my disease tries to tell me, "Oh no, you don't need to share about this. This is okay." You may do so, or you may watch a romantic movie. You don't need to talk about it. That's okay. You are tired. You have worked so much today. That's okay. Go ahead. And I can't afford it. I can't do it. It's poisoning me. I can't see romantic movies. They poison me. They are just as bad as porn for others. I just can't afford to watch them. And my disease tries tries to, to tell me, that's okay. You can do it. And then I know you better call someone and and surrender immediately because, because I can't afford it. I can't afford to not to stay in a very committed attitude of sobriety, which is um, going to meetings several times a week, phone meetings and Zoom meetings at the moment. And making phone calls, doing my step work, working my program just for today. I'm sober just for today. And be aware it's a gift just for today. And you don't have to worry about tomorrow. And you don't you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. But just for today, I decide to stay sober because if I don't, I don't have a life. If I don't, I just don't have a life. I'm going to destroy myself. Everything will fall apart. I don't think, I don't even think I could do my job. I don't think I could be in connection with, with health, with healthy, nice people who really connect with me, who are interested in a real connection. If I am the, if I'm in the false connection, I, um, I lose everything. So that's such a huge gift. To, to hear the others share on the meetings, I'm very, very grateful that there are three phone meetings every day in Germany I can dial into so if I feel like it. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Um, so if necessary, I dial into a I dial into a phone meeting. Many times I visit the 6 am. phone meetings because I, I'm a poor sleeper and I'm, I'm up early anyway. And then I dial into the 6 a.m. four meetings and I'm not alone anymore. And it strengthens me for the day. And God strengthens me for the day and connect with others. And my, And I've never been as happy as I am today in recovery. It is so fantastic to be alive, to be in reality, to be here and there with real people, And it is so fantastic that I don't need anyone for a solution. And it is true. It's not that I'm just saying it out loud. For me, it's really true. And this is so wonderful because I don't have the idea, oh, if the prince comes, my life, I still think my life will be better. No, it won't. My life is just right as it is for today just for today. And I'm very grateful that I had the possibility to share with you this story. And I thank Natalie for her service. I thank Luke for inviting me. Thanks for listening, everybody.
2: Oh, thank you so much for sharing. Um, the smile on your face tells what your words are saying. Um, it's such a gift such a gift. I can so relate to you talking from being very little and wanting to get out of reality. And that's that's exactly how I use my addiction. And what I'm wondering, I hope this isn't too hard of a question. Are there tools today that you use to help you stay in reality?
1: Thanks for your question, Nancy. Um, yes, if I'm, um, if I'm very disturbed, I have like a little, a little bottle with um, orange oil to smell on it. And so I can smell it. And that brings me back into reality. Or I start like uh, cleaning the kitchen or grab the garbage and bring the garbage down or do something practical, something for the household to be here and there. And, If I realize I'm I'm leaving reality, I surrender, I I pray to God and I I concentrate by or like by if I'm outside I I concentrate on the sky or on the trees or whatever. Yeah, to um to to make sure that that I stay in reality and um leave my head. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very
2: much. (laughs) Sean F.
3: Uh, sorry, is it me? Did you stay? Sean. Sure. Hi. Uh, Martina, thank you. I'm Sean. Sure I'm a sexaholic. Thank you very much for your, uh, your share. Uh, it was so powerful and relates, I uh, related to me 100%. Always felt like the outsider uh, and always had very painful experiences um, in relationships, um, but found it always very difficult to connect with myself. Uh, I'm relatively new in recovery in SA, and I'm. Um, you mentioned something about getting in touch with your feelings or sitting with your feelings. Um, those feelings are beginning, all kinds of feelings are coming up for me. Uh, one of, you know, some of which you touched on, negative thinking, a negative view of yourself, is coming in waves at times of me, and I'm finding it very difficult to sit with that. I just wondered, what how how do you how do you do that is there a method of meditation which you use um is it a you know is it is it a kind of writing i mean how do you get how do you deal with that uh because that's something i'm just not profound able to thank you very much for your chair
1: thanks for your thanks for your question sean um yeah well um it was especially um, when pain, when a lot of pain came up, I would I would light a candle. I would sit down. I would light a candle and I would ask to show me the whole pain. And I say, okay, God, I'm I'm ready to feel it. So let me feel it. And I sit there and I breathe, and I have my candle and I talk to God, and I'm willing to feel the pain. And it it's not pleasant. It was in the beginning of my recovery and it was not pleasant at all it's not like wow what a great journey what a fun it's not fun it's hard it's been very hard but it's been really worth it because I lighted my candle I was willing to feel the pain and I kind of it was kind of like bumping into it and bumping through it and diving back to the surface and being okay and that's and I did it over and over again and this negative thinking part. I surrender because I remind myself that God loves me. And in God's eyes, I'm totally okay, just the way I am. No judgment. No, there's something wrong about me. There's nothing wrong about me because God made me the way I am. And obviously he wants me the way I am. And um, and reminding this um, helps me to, to surrender and praying that God helps me to see me the way he sees me. Yeah. Thanks.
4: <clears throat> Next one will be Greg S from Seattle.
5: Thank you, Martina, for your share. Uh, really powerful, and I can relate to the pain. Uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, when I was I uh, betrayed my wife for about thirty years, and then when she found out. The pain began for her, certainly uh, a lot, but for me also, and I can't relate, I could relate to her pain when I saw the pain in her eyes when she found out my betrayal, but I was, uh, after a while, I was, she kicked me out of the house and uh, with my two kids. And so, uh, you know, it was really painful and I was ready to run back to across the state to my uh, family of origin, cause I knew they'd accept me, but I thought, and then I, I heard, uh, I talked to other people and they said, well, you know, you could do that and run away from your pain or you could face your pain and uh, grow from it. And that's exactly, uh, that's a minute already. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, my question is you can turn from uh, women, uh, switch the word men and women uh, in my case, and I was looking for my prince. And so, I'm mean, princess, princess. And anyway, uh, yeah, and it is. We made, I I was making women my God. You were making uh, men your God. So I really appreciate your uh, share. So anyway, thanks. My name is Greg. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic.
1: Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Thank Greg. Thank you. Uh, Lee? Hi,
6: my name's Lee, and I'm a real sexaholic, and I want to uh, thank you and commend you, uh, Martina, because of your sharing in your journey about having mental health problems. I had many mental health problems. I was treated for many years, and I never, ever got any better until I got sober. <laughs> And uh, it brought me into reality. I had the first connections with human beings. And uh, it's been an amazing, uh, rewarding journey since then. I still get mental health treatment. And it uh, it, it, it is a gift to me that I can receive it and get better today. So I just wanted to thank you and commend you. You can and if you want, you don't have to if you don't want.
1: Thanks, Lee.
7: Nick?
4: Hi,
8: uh, my name is Nick. I'm a sex at um I'm grateful, Martina, for your share. I found it inspiring, especially as um, you talk about um, it's not all going to be plain sailing. It's not all. Um, I found sometimes I've heard sex or people in other programs say that they're living an amazing life. And I I can tell you it's an amazing life compared to when I'm not sober or when I wasn't sober. Every day is like way better than it was. But it's still a big roller coaster and there are ups and downs. I just wanted to ask,
1: um I just wanted to bring to the light that I've got a lot of financial fear right now because somebody um uh, told me that they're pursuing me for money about a hotel bill, which I don't think I owe. Um, and I just wanted to know when you have obsessive um, thoughts or fears, or um, last, what you know. How do you best deal with that? Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I do know. I do know obsessive thoughts and fears of of any kind of course I, I start to pray to God I surrender it I I try not to stay in it and not to circle and circle and circle it but to rather move out of it maybe I make a phone call to someone and share about it and I pray about it and I decide I consciously decide to concentrate on something else such as gratitude or practical things in the household and concentrating on them. Yeah, thanks.
2: Katrin? Thank you, Nathalie, for chairing the meeting, Katrin Yeah, I also want to say thank you very much for your share, Martina. It was so good to hear your experience, strength and hope and um i was very touched when you said that you knew in your family of origin that god had a different plan for a family i think it, as a ch- as children we sense a lot what things should be like and when something's off but but grown ups tell us a lot of time no your your perception of things is completely wrong that's what happened to me and um yeah that touched me when you shared that and um I, I'm, a lot of things um, have, have really um, spoken to me, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that I'm very grateful that you're part of my recovery um, because we are few women in Germany and I shared the laughter with you and sometimes we even made jokes about not joking so much <laughs> so that we can take recovery seriously. And um, thank you for the time. Um, Yeah, and just to support you back, so to speak. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Katrin, so much. And thanks for being here to to support me. I was so scared and I asked you to be here and I'm very grateful that you are here Um, to support me. That means a
4: lot to me. Thanks. Okay, if someone uh, would like to share, you can just jump in, raise your hand virtually or just like this. Or if you have less than 30 days of sobriety, you can share too from now on. Uh, I'm going to jump in myself because I wrote some things down. Uh, thank you, Martina, for uh, for your great share. I'm very, very happy that I'm here tonight to listen to it. Um, one of the things I wrote down is that you said that you, you're now living in reality as it is and just accepting that reality. And that it's life is not a party, but you don't expect it to be anymore. And um, like I, I can really relate to that because I often think like, okay, I feel like crap. I'm not supposed to feel like this, I'm supposed to be joyous, happy, etc., every day again and again from the morning to the evening, and it's failing. Every day it's failing. Sometimes I am very happy and sometimes I, I feel my higher powers love. I often feel my higher powers love, but I cannot feel it all day, 24-7. It's not possible, but I want it. So thank you for saying that. Uh, I also wanted to say it reminds me of something that my sponsor sometimes tells me, and it's a good reminder. Sometimes she she sends me off after our call. Thank you, buddy. Uh, by saying, I wish you an average week just a six or a six and a half. I wish you an average week. And <laughs> that's just something I want to share with everybody because I love it when she tells me uh, to have an average week. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Martina.
1: Thanks, Natalie. And thanks for your service. I really
4: appreciate it. Buddy. Uh,
8: I will I will jump in and I yes. will time, time myself. I'm Buddy and I'm a sexaholic. Um. Martina, yes, thank you for sharing about mental health. I, um, two years and years of, of staying sober, I still stayed in a very deep depression, which only lifted two years ago. And I started treatment for PTSD with a trauma therapist, and after two years, I think I pulled her down into my mental illness. She, in a rage, she quit. Um But I didn't. I'm still pursuing treatment with a new psychologist because I am determined to stay sober and to find this happy, joyous, and free that that we talk about. My body still does not experience good feelings. I still only feel the pain. Like Roy said, I became disconnected. My head is disconnected from my body, but I refuse to quit. So thank you.
9: Thank you, buddy. I I can sell something. Here's Elaine, sexaholic. Hey, Elaine. Yeah, I'm also very touched. Uh, I feel that is also very humble. Yeah, you say uh, to say, I'm just happy like it is. You know that is, and and that is very tough to to face every feeling. I cannot do this. Unfortunately, I can go into a fantasy sometimes with criminal stories, and sometimes I do this, and I feel not good about it. But I just, oh, I don't, I don't want to be with me anymore. Oh, I'm tired, and now television on. I, I like to feel other people that they feel, and I just look at them, you know. But I feel b- bad. That's not life, you know. That's just um, um, su- su- a um, su- um, su- Yeah. But I. But it's still. I, I still. I still hook on this. But when I have pr- uh, pa- uh, people around me, I, I don't think about it. You know. That's just much, much imp- more important to have friends. But I'm not so. I have not so much friends, you know. But I will. I will. I will stay. I will um, go on with this. And also, I. I, Oh, I'm out time already. Time. And I'm. I'm. I'm in love in the moment. But that is totally toxic. And I see this. And I have laughter because I can say, "Wonderful God, that's not the. That's not the way to do it. No, 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 no. But it's. It's also a bit hard. Because." Because I like this man, you know, he is married, you know, he's a yoga teacher and wonderful guy, but I will not uh, flee, but I will stand it. And I know exactly that whatever romantic is here in my head, that's toxic. Thank you for sharing, Martina, that you give me.
1: Thanks, Elaine.
4: Noam?
10: yeah you hear me okay
4: Mm -hmm. yes i think so yeah sort of
10: okay Uh, my name is noam and i'm a sexaholic thank you very much martina you hear me okay now yes okay so thank you very much uh, uh, for your message i didn't understand uh, the all but uh, uh, i took a few sentences and one of the things you talked about was uh, about relationship and that today we're not waiting for the prince because you just, uh, you know, that you're good like you are and uh, when somebody will, will come, he will come. So for me, uh, the subject of relationship is it's a big obsession that uh, complex uh, is last and I still... Uh, have uh, issues about it, so uh, I I want to take this uh, sentence that you said and uh, remind myself that uh, all what I need, that I need to be okay, and I do not need to wait to any princess, and I only need to be to do my uh, program, to do uh, the things that God wants me to do, and uh, He He will He will care about all the, the things I I will get or not get in the time and that in the way that the, the think that the, the, the best for me. Thank you very much for everybody.
4: Thank you Noam. Noam. Ahmad
7: okay hey uh, this is Ahmad Amin I'm a uh from Egypt uh, thanks, Martina, for this amazing share, and I definitely relate to much of the stuff you said. I'm really grateful that I heard it today, and took the decision to enter this meeting. I have two questions, actually. Uh, if you can answer them, I, you mentioned in your share that uh, you've been relapsing in the first one and a half years, and then you you get sober since then up, up till now. And I, I'd like to know if you can share with us the major difference that has the most significant impact on your journey of recovery to get established in sobriety. Uh, the second question, is, I think you also mentioned that in the beginning in your home group, you, you found all, uh, only one woman, one other woman in your home group. And I think that wasn't enough for like making enough connection to, uh, to begin uh, this journey of sobriety and recovery. So how did you get uh, enough connection in your beginnings of SA? Uh, again, thanks for this amazing share and uh, grateful for it, thanks.
1: Thank you Ahmed yeah I had one I had one other woman on my home group meeting which was already a lot because many of them just have no other woman and they're just the only woman on the meeting so one was already a lot more than none but we did um we had a um, 12-step workshop run by Yvonne for all the women in Germany. And it was fantastic because we could get to know each other personally. And afterwards, we, I think, or even before, we had a women's phone meeting, a national German women's phone meeting. And so I could connect with the other women in SA once a week on the phone meeting. And that was quite helpful And reaching out by, by telephone. And um, yeah, the first one and a half years, I relapsed. And my last relapse was so horrible that I really was so tired of it that I didn't want to repeat it anymore. Yeah,
4: thanks.
7: Thank you. Thank you.
4: Thank you. There's uh, time for one more share. So uh, someone, if someone has a burning desire to share something, you can do this now. Nandosh? hi hello yeah.
8: everybody i'm nandra i'm a sexaholic from hungary i'm so happy to hi. be here and strengthen me and it was very nice to hear and made me cry too and she was talking about god uh, the importance uh, to connect god and uh, uh, I just got this link, the next meeting link from my sponsor now because I was disturbed all day. And uh, it is just a nice island. This this was the actually the first button I I pressed and I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm so happy to be here and I'm calm down. Thank you very much.